Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 14. There's no question booking a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation is exciting, and it's what many of us look forward to, second to maybe only going on the actual cruise. The question of when to book your Royal Caribbean cruise is always an interesting debate, so this week, we're going to discuss the pros and cons of booking a Royal Caribbean cruise well in advance versus waiting to the very last minute. There's lots to consider, so I want to share with you which option might work best for you, and we also have lots of listener feedback to share. Here we go. Before we dive into when is the best time to book your Royal Caribbean cruise, let me add this caveat that there is no right or wrong answer. This is a very personal choice, and it really depends on a number of factors that depend largely on who's booking the cruise. Personally, I book cruises far in advance and book them even just a few weeks before the cruise, and I can tell you from experience that both work and both have their advantages and disadvantages. So let's start with booking a cruise well in advance. When we say booking a cruise well in advance, I'll say we're talking about any cruise booked more than, say, three months prior to your sailing. More often, we're talking about cruises booked six months to even one to two years in advance. Now, the number one reason to book in advance is to get the stateroom you want. Booking in advance will afford you the greatest selection of stateroom inventory, ensuring that you'll get somewhere on the ship you really want to stay. There are definitely on each ship certainly some desirable cabins that will book up well in advance of others. First to go are cabins with extra space at not extra cost, like the coveted hump balconies that you may have seen on some of the other ships. Next will be cabins in the middle of the ship on preferred quiet decks, and the closer to your sail date, the less inventory that will be available. Now, booking in advance can also lock in your price. Royal Caribbean likes to say that their prices are cheapest the earlier you book your cruise, which is generally the case, assuming cruises book up as they expect to. You can adjust the price of your cruise if there is a price drop up to your final payment date. So anytime the price drops even a dollar, you can rebook and no problem at all. After your final payment date, however, your price is going to be locked in unless the price that you paid for your stateroom drops below the next category of staterooms above you, at which point you can have some options available to you. Now, booking in advance also allows you to spread payments out for your cruise and lessen the financial burden all at once. You can pay the cruise off each month and then perhaps even buy some other things like the unlimited alcohol package one month and then maybe pay for especially dining reservations another month. This leaves you with less money to pay all at once at the final payment date and or after your cruise is done. Booking in advance is essential for anyone flying to their cruise embarkation port because airfare prices are also cheaper in advance. Now, let's look at the advantages of booking at the last minute. A last-minute cruise will define as any cruise with less than maybe three months before your sail date, although most last-minute cruises are often one month or less. Deals on the price of the cruise are the number one advantages of waiting to the last minute to book this cruise. When there are unsold rooms on a Royal Caribbean ship, Royal Caribbean will often slash prices to help fill up the rooms. Often, prices drop really low to nightly rate something like $50 per night in some cases. There may also be deals on the cruise in the form of booking incentives, such as onboard credit, free drink packages, or even shore excursions. Booking last minute also means less waiting to go on your cruise, which, for those of us that are impatient, that's always a good thing. And last minute cruises are often available on less desirable cruises, such as cruises that go during hurricane season or winter cruises, and cruises at destinations that don't attract a lot of people, like transatlantic cruises and repositioning cruises. Now, the disadvantages of booking last minute are you have to get to the port from where you live with a lot less advance notice. So if you have to fly to your port, that often means higher airfare costs because of the way that airfare tickets cost these days, and that oftentimes can negate any money that you'd be saving on your cruise to begin with. Less time to plan your cruise also is another negative. So shore excursions, dining spots at the main dining room, and or specialty restaurants may also already be booked up. And if you're booking last minute, it can also mean poorly located staterooms meaning you might get a great deal on the room, but it might be at the very forward or very after the ship, or perhaps a room with a blocked view or even a noise issue. 
The disadvantages to booking a cruise early is you may be, have a better price closer to when your actual cruise sales. Now, booking early can also mean that Royal Caribbean may change your itinerary for a variety of reasons. Sometimes a hurricane may change your itinerary once you actually get to the said cruise. Or if you book you know, a couple of years in advance, port issues may also force Royal Caribbean to change your itinerary. Good example of this is the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise that we're all doing on Quantum of the Seas on March 21st, 2015. And I'm inviting you to join us for that. More details at royalcaribbeanblog.com. But actually, it's had its itinerary change about three times now. Now, frankly, I like the itinerary change now, but it's worth noting that everything is subject to change. Again, when to book your cruise largely depends on your situation. If you live near a cruise port to the point that you can drive, booking last minute certainly has its benefits, especially those that are living near states like in Florida, for instance, where there's a number of cruise ports and the largest amount of deals. But waiting last minute may not mean money saved, and during popular times of the year, like spring break, holidays, etc., last minute deals can be few and far between. Booking early also means knowing what your plans will be far in advance in terms of vacation from work or school. So then that can change depending on the situation. Waiting for a last minute deal can also be kind of a bit of a crapshoot, but there's plenty of people who will tell you how well it's worked out for them. I prefer to book cruises in advance when I can and augment that with last minute deals if I run across them and can fit them in. I think it really comes down to, if you want to sum it up really quickly, booking in advance gives you the most options, the most flexibility in terms of what your cruise plans may be. Booking last minute can often net you some really good deals at the expense of perhaps not the ideal cruise or perfect cruise or something you definitely had in mind. You're subject to whatever is available. Regardless of when you book your Royal Caribbean cruise, there's bound to be an advantage to doing so one way or the other. I've got lots of listener feedback to share with you this week, so let's dive right into it. First up, we've got Paul Westbrook, who writes, Matt, in listening to episode 12, I had one opinion on the class of ship that differs a little with yours, and it might help new listeners. I found Enchantment of the Seas made a great first-time cruise. Here's my reasons. When you're contemplating trying a cruise and you're on a budget, you think maybe a three- or four-day cruise. Add in that you might be at a big Walt Disney World fan, then trying a three- to four-day cruise right from Port Canaveral is perfect. Enter Enchantment. Plus, they have a great cruise activity director on Enchantment. I'm sorry I missed meeting you at the Osborne Lights meeting in 2011, but hopefully someday. Take good care, and thanks so much for this podcast and for WW Today. Love them both. Thank you, Paul. And I agree. I think Enchantment is a great ship, especially after its upgrade. And it did such a great job in Baltimore prior to coming to Port Canaveral that it definitely is a great choice to go on. And the fact that they put it in Port Canaveral says a lot about, you know, that market because Port Canaveral is a huge first-timer market for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. So good observations, Paul. Next, we have an email from Christopher Percy. Just finished listening to you and Michael discussing his upcoming cruise on the Oasis of the Seas. Sounds like you'll have a terrific time and certainly you'll be enjoying the restaurants and many features of the ship. Looking forward to your next podcast. Thank you, Christopher. Always appreciate hearing your emails and hearing what you think about them. So thank you. Next is an email from Carl Lemmerman. I emailed you back in August right when you were starting up this new podcast. Wanted to let you know I've been really enjoying the show. We love cruising with our children, ages 4 and 8, and I think it's the best type of family vacation there is. I agree with you there. You can spend lots of time together as a family, but you can also have some time apart. However, it's still a family vacation, which is different than a vacation without the kids. My wife and I have done a few one- and two-night cruises to nowhere out of New York City on Norwegian. They are fun, but too short and a bit rowdy. For the past eight years, we've also had a, quote, young child in the household, so my wife hasn't really felt comfortable with leaving kids with a grandparent for more than a couple days. However, next fall, our youngest will be starting kindergarten. I finally see an opportunity for a grown-ups cruise. I was thinking October 2014. This would give my daughter at least a month to get settled into her new school. For this trip, 
I don't think we can be away for more than about seven days. We want to make sure that our youngest has a fun time with grandma while we're away, and we don't want to overdo it with a long vacation. So I've narrowed things down at two ships and itineraries. First, Explorer of the Seas has a five-night cruise to Bermuda at a Bayonne on October 4th and October 18th. The Celebrity Summit has a six-night repositioning cruise from Bayonne to San Juan. I narrowed it down to these two cruises because they both leave from New Jersey, and I'm just a short 30-minute drive down the New Jersey Turnpike, so I don't need to travel the day before in order to get to the port. This saves us a day so we aren't away from the kids too long. We've been on the Celebrity Summit this past August to Bermuda. We love the ship, and we'll be happy to sail on her again. Having to fly back to New Jersey is a bit annoying, but it's probably not the end of the world. I've never sailed in Royal Caribbean. I do enjoy the new cruise lines, and your podcast certainly make them seem like I need to check it out sooner rather than later. I think my wife would be more comfortable with being away from five days versus six days, and the fact that the round trip at a Bayonne would have its home sooner. However, this is going to be right before Explorer goes on the dry dock. Quantum of the Seas is arriving the following month, and I've always been a bit worried about sailing on a ship after it comes out of dry dock and right before it goes into dry dock. I know this podcast is all about Royal Caribbean, so you're predisposed to choose Explorer of the Seas, but what do you think I should do? Which cruise line should I choose? Carl's a great question, and I understand completely what you were thinking. In fact, when I was, as I was reading this email, I was thinking to myself, oh, Explorer is coming up on its dry dock, and as you mentioned, Quantum of the Seas is coming. So, forgetting, you gotta forget Quantum because it's not the cruises you're thinking about. Let's just look, concentrate on Explorer of the Seas and Celebrity Summit. Celebrity, by the way, Celebrity Cruise Lines is a sister company to Royal Caribbean. They're the more higher end. It's like the, they'll never admit this, but it's the like Cadillac to Royal Caribbean Chevy, so to speak. And that might not be the best example, but you know what I mean. It's just a higher end brand. If you've never been sailing Royal Caribbean, you know, I think coming from Celebrity, it should be, there should definitely be some similarities and the experience should be all that different. I do agree the idea of round trip out of Bayonne does make a big difference, especially for someone like you. I don't like flying. However, going one way isn't terrible. One flight, I can even deal with that. So the real question is, you know, what you want to do in terms of on your cruise experience. A repositioning cruise is probably going to have a lot of sea days, whereas the one in Bermuda is going to have less sea days. And you're going to have an overnight stay, I'm imagining, in Bermuda as well. If you've never been to Bermuda, I would say go for the Bermuda cruise. If you've never been to San Juan, you may lean towards that one. But I'm assuming there's no other stops along the way, although there might be. You didn't mention money, and that's one thing to consider. I'm assuming Explorer is cheaper, but maybe because it's a repositioning cruise, the Celebrity Cruise is not that much more expensive, if not the same price, or cheaper perhaps. So again, something to consider as well. You're right, I am a little predisposed to choosing Explorer the Seas. However, I would not worry about the dry dock thing. Royal Caribbean takes very good care of their ships. Yes, it'll be much better when it comes out of dry dock because it'll have all these new amenities. That's not really an option for you at this point, so you really can't consider it that way. That being said, it's not like they're going to just forget about the trash and just leave everything. It's like, I forget about it. It's going to the dry dock. So if it were me, I would probably go for the Explorer of the Seas just because the itinerary sounds better to me. Repositioning cruises are a little different. Not that they're bad. I do like them. It's just, uh, if it were me, I would sail on the Bayonne, the Bermuda cruise. It sounds like a better itinerary. I love cruises that stop overnight in a particular island, and I'm pretty darn sure that Explorer the Seas does at least one night in Bermuda. So that alone is a really good option. So go for that. And of course, let us know, Carl, how it went, which one you choose and why. Let's head over to Twitter. And our first tweet comes from our good friend, Michael Poole, who was on last week's episode. And he sent me a tweet. that says, made it on board. It's going to be a great week. And he posted a photo from his balcony that's overlooking the Aqua Theater in the boardwalk. And yes, it looks amazing. So Michael, have a great time. 
And I'm super jealous that I'm recording this podcast instead of being on Oasis of the Seas with you. Next is a tweet from Michael Eads. Just booked a three-night on Enchantment of the Seas. Very excited. Have you ever sailed on her? I'd love to hear what you have to say. You know, I haven't sailed on Enchantment. I really, really wanted to because I used to live in Florida and they moved it right over there. But I did have actually a friend of mine, a really good friend, who sailed on her and she had a great time on it. I think you'll have a, I think it'll be a great time. It's, it's hard to go wrong on that kind of a ship. And let me know what you think about it. Sean Wallace tweeted us and says, as always, great podcast. Had to start pre-planning for April. Thanks for posting the compasses. My pleasure, Sean. And as you may or may not know, we post cruise compasses we run across on RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. And I'll post a link to that in our show notes this week. Also, we have one more tweet from Michael Eads, who wrote great podcast in reference to last week's show. My comment on specialty restaurants stems from my thought that all great, quote, free options make it tough to pay. Uh, that's a good point, Michael. Thanks for sharing that with us. Going over to Facebook, we have a message from Gene Wu. Love the podcast as always. After your episode on the different Royal Caribbean ship classes, I was inspired to finally bite the bullet, and my husband and I have booked our first cruise, Voyager of the Seas, sailing to New Zealand in January 2014. Now my question. Do you have, or any of your listeners have, any tips for first-time cruisers? Things I have to do, pack C. One specific question I have, is the tap water on board safe to drink, or do we need to get bottled water? So excited. Can't wait. The countdown is on. Gene, I am so excited you finally booked your first Royal Caribbean cruise. I think you're going to love it. It's such a great cruise line. And of course, I say that, but you know, you have to take my word for it. Everyone else listens that it's really great. So I think you made a great decision. So in terms of first-time recommendations, and frankly, this should be an episode we'll probably have to cover at some point, here are a couple ones. One, if you're flying to your embarkation port, fly in at least one day early. I know a lot of people will tell you that they'll fly in the day of. Do yourself a favor. Fly in at least a day early, if not earlier. That way, one, your vacation starts sooner. Two, if you run into any problems with your flight, whether it's weather delays and you know planes broken or whatever happens, any kind of delays, it's okay because you're going to have a full day ahead of you. So, knock on wood, the worst delays won't really affect you and you'll still make your cruise on time and you won't miss it. Two, when you actually are there on embarkation day, arrive to your cruise port early. In most, I'm not sure about New Zealand cruises, but in most cases, Royal Caribbean cruises allow you to get on, or at least get into the port facility around 10, 30, 11 o'clock. So, I would go for that in the morning and get your vacation started early. Also, research the ports you're visiting so you know what excursions are good and what there is to see and do. Great website, of course, TripAdvisor, Cruise Critic. And of course, the internet's a great resource for finding that as well. And lastly, take time each evening to look over the events on the cruise compass. After dinner, your stateroom attendant will leave you next day's cruise compass on your bed. So take a look at it, see what's going on, and make sure you highlight some stuff that is of interest to you because you never know what's going to be going on there. And lastly, your question about the water. Don't worry, the tap water's fine. You don't have to worry about that. I know that they do sell water packages. That's just for people who prefer bottled water. But as someone who drinks plenty of tap water on a Royal Caribbean cruise, no problem at all. Thank you, Gene, for the message, and good luck on your first cruise, and I can't wait to hear about it, so please be sure to send us a message about that. Next, we have a message on Facebook from David. Just finished listening to episode 10. Great discussion about the drink packages. For me, it does not make sense, so my wife does not drink, and having to drink 8 to 10 drinks every day would be difficult. Thanks for the excellent podcast. I really enjoy the ship review shows. Thank you, David. I really appreciate everything, and you know what? I, I tend to agree with you. 8 to 10 drinks is a lot to go for. Now, that may not stop me from buying the package, but it, it is a lot, and uh, there's no doubting that. So, very good observation. Thank you, David. Now, of course, we want to hear from you. So, if you have a question, comment, observation, whatever it is, I want to hear about it. And I love sharing this feedback on the show because, after all, this podcast is all about your thoughts, ideas, whatever. 
So please feel free to comment, question, whatever. You can email us, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. You can tweet us at the RCL blog on Twitter. Facebook, we are facebook.com slash royalcaribbeanblog. Or you can, of course, call the Royal Caribbean blog voicemail by calling 408-676-9256. Thank you so much for everybody that contributed to this podcast and these great messages. And hope you enjoyed it. And we'll talk again soon.